Uh, turning our attention now to Eskom, Mfuleni Municipality will pay Eskom 50 million rand before the end of business today. Now, the MEC for Human Settlements, Urban Planning and uh, Cooperative Governance, uh, Lebuhang Magile, and mayors from all municipalities in Gauteng held a bilateral meeting with Eskom CEO Andre Dereta to discuss electricity challenges experienced by these municipalities and also debt owed to Eskom by the municipalities, among other issues. So for an update on these talks and what came out of that meeting, uh, we join on the line by Eskom CEO Andre Dereta. Thanks so much for your time, Mr. Dereta. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. So firstly, if you could just uh, summarize for us uh, some of the main points coming out of your meeting with these municipalities and the MEC. Clearly, there are a number of issues from an operational perspective that need addressing uh, related to um, investments and infrastructure, um, the clearing up of uh, certain issues related to uh, human settlements that are growing much faster than had been anticipated. But these are operational issues that can be cleared up quite quickly, and we will in the next month have another meeting where we will be reporting progress to uh, both myself and to the MEC. The bigger issue, however, relates obviously to the outstanding municipal debt, and that was a major focus of today's discussion. And what have you resolved in that regard? So Infolini Municipality has undertaken to pay us 50 million rand uh, as a first step to addressing the outstanding debt uh, to Eskom of some 1.8 billion rand. Uh, In exchange for that payment, we will suspend the attachment of assets uh, by the Sheriff of the Court for a period of two weeks, during which we will negotiate an agreement for the repayment of the debt. Um, This will be subject, obviously, to uh, adequate security from an ESCOM perspective that uh, the debt will, in fact, be repaid. There have been numerous payment agreements in the past which uh, regrettably have not been honoured. And uh, municipality has also undertaken to uh, commence paying the monthly account of an estimated 183 million rand a month on a regular basis going forward. So we think there's a very positive and a very constructive first step to resolving the uh, payment crisis in Infolini. And with regard to some of the other municipalities in Gauteng, are there any others that are in particular distress at this point? There are two municipalities, the Merofong municipality as well as the Rand West municipality. Both of those are in debt or in arrears to Eskom to the tune of some 350 million rand each. Uh, We have received assurances from them that they will seek to arrest the rate at which uh, this debt increases by resuming payments to Eskom. And then we will be engaging further with those two municipalities to try and avert a similar uh, negative outcome that we have seen in Mfuleni. Now, as you've indicated, Mr. Derator, there have been previous agreements struck between municipalities and ESCOM that unfortunately have not been honoured. What is going to be different this time around? What sort of specific measures are you putting in place to ensure that uh, it doesn't uh, turn out the way it did the last time? I think the detail of that is going to be the subject of negotiation with the municipality as well as the province. What makes me optimistic that this time we will be able to achieve a better outcome is the personal intervention of the MEC. I think he's displayed uh, very good leadership in brokering this deal between 
Eskom and Imfuleni, and we look forward to continued support from the province as we seek to address this issue. So uh, just moving to um, Soweto now, because uh, these are the municipalities, uh, that's one component, but then you also have uh, those uh, consumers who buy directly from Eskom, and Soweto in the main has been a particular uh, point of focus. So what is the latest regarding the debt uh, debt owed to Eskom by Soweto residents? So Soweto residents collectively owe Eskom some 19 billion rand, which is obviously a very considerable amount of money. And we are proceeding with actions to, first of all, disconnect illegal uh, electricity uh, connections. These are highly um, dangerous from a safety perspective, but also uh, it is um, tantamount to theft of electricity from Eskom. Secondly, where there are areas that are uh, significantly in arrears, we disconnect those areas uh, where a payment rate of less than 30% is being recorded. We uh, send our teams into those areas and we connect at a substation level those areas. Now, this has become necessary because of the fact that it's become very difficult for our technical teams to move to individual households to disconnect. Uh, They have been uh, subjected to various security issues and in an attempt to avoid that, we unfortunately have to now uh, look at areas where payment rates are quite low. We are progressing with this uh, effort. We think that it's necessary. There is a need for us to re-establish a culture of payment, not only in Soweto, but across the country. And as part of that, we will have to uh, follow our rights and make sure that we collect money that is due to us. And speaking of a culture of payment, how are you enforcing this with regard to government departments who are not servicing their debt to ESCOM regularly? So I've already had discussions with Minister Patricia DeLille, who is the Minister of Public Works, and we are engaging with her department with a view to establishing a protocol in terms of which we will be able to ensure that those government departments pay us. And then there are some allegations, Mr. Director, that ESCOM is implementing power cuts over and above load shedding to certain areas. Is there any truth to this? Are you doing that at all in any given area? The only power cuts that we implement in addition to load shedding are those related to the payment of outstanding debt. So um, according to some of the reports that we're receiving, there are areas that are currently um, uh, 12 hours or so without power any single day. So this is possible according to what you're saying to me now. If there is uh, debt outstanding, that could be a possibility. So what we are finding with certain municipalities is that they exceed their uh, nominated daily maximum. And in those cases, we restrict them, particularly for those municipalities that don't pay us and don't pay us regularly. Uh, So we, we, we are having to throttle back the supply of electricity to those municipalities. And uh, for the people who have been paying, who are feeling aggrieved at this point, uh, even in the Soweto situation where you say where there's a payment of less than 30 percent, unfortunately, you revert to the, uh, you know, cutting off and then um, uh, connecting at substation level. What about those people who have been paying? What sort of recourse do they have? We would encourage those people to interact with uh, the the neighborhood and the residents around them to ensure 
that our technical teams can come into those areas with safety to disconnect uh, households that do not pay in order not to prejudice those households that do in fact pay. But given where uh, we are at at the moment in terms of the security situation, that option unfortunately is not available to us. So um, that would mean that uh, you could be possibly opening yourself up to litigation as ESCOM from people uh, who find themselves in this particular position. That is a possibility. We we, we have been uh, taken to court before by users in uh, municipal areas where we have disconnected a municipality, uh, where users have paid the municipality, and that has informed our decision in the case of Infuleni to uh, go after the municipality itself rather than to disadvantage users in the municipality who have been paying their accounts. So um, uh, just a few other issues that uh, I need to uh, pulse you on whilst I have you on the line, Mr. Derater. Now, um, the South African Federation of Trade Unions, SAFTU, uh, they have called on uh, you and on ESCOM to fire the chief operating officer, Jan Oberholzer. Um, they are claiming an, a conflict of interest in this regard. Are you aware of that? I'm aware of the call that has been made. We are aware of certain allegations that have been made uh, by a, a so-called whistleblower uh, that has um, claimed to have been uh, prejudiced or um, intimidated um, in the process of making his claims known. We will be investigating those claims further. And just as it's everyone's right to be uh, presumed innocent until proven guilty. We have to extend the same principle to our own employees, and hence we will investigate. And if there is substance to these allegations, then we will act uh, very firmly against uh, people who have been found guilty of intimidating uh, whistleblowers. So just to be sure we're talking about the same issue, this is, of course, of um, uh, the claim that Mr. Uberolzer is a shareholder in one of the companies that allegedly defrauded Eskom of nearly 140 billion rand. Uh, yes, that is that is part of the claims made by uh, the whistleblower. Uh, and again, we will be investigating those claims. Uh, we are in the process of appointing a senior counsel to assist us in this investigation in order to ensure that, 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 that this is going to be an independent investigation. Uh, and we will then thoroughly ventilate these matters and make sure that we can get to the bottom of the allegation in a way that is uh, transparent but also seem to be independent. So the wait forward uh, from here on in with regard to that, will there be any suspension forthcoming? How, how exactly are you planning to deal with that situation? At this point in time, uh, given what we know, we don't believe that a suspension is warranted. Uh, and pending the outcome of uh, this investigation, we will then take the appropriate disciplinary action. So under what sort of conditions would you suspend someone while you investigate a claim such as this? So where there is uh, clear evidence of uh, criminal activity and where the continued presence of the individual concerned would impede or hinder an investigation, uh, for example, by allowing such a person access to potential witnesses or evidence, uh, we would want to remove such a person uh, from 
the um, environment which is being investigated. But in this instance, that is not the case, and therefore we believe that uh, a, a suspension is not warranted. What about the claims or the allegation of intimidation by the whistleblower in this instance? So um, the whistleblower is 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 no longer um, employed in in this particular area. So uh, there is a case currently serving before the CCMA, and um, those those uh, legal avenues are being explored both by uh, the claimant as well as by Eskom. So pending the the outcome of that, we are quite comfortable that there will be no further. Um, even if that that were to be the case, that there is no opportunity for any potential intimidation or um, influencing of evidence. Uh, How can you be sure of that, though? I mean, it it is quite a serious claim. We're talking 140 billion rand in an entity that has really been riddled with corruption. How can you be sure that Mr. Uberholz's continued presence at ESCOM will not result in any manipulation of evidence? Well, I think we have to rely on our internal governance processes, which are very strict. Um, We have a very stringent uh, review process in place uh, that uh, we uh, established after um, the period of uh, capture and corruption that characterized ESCOM for about 10 years. So we are quite confident that the opportunity here for interference um, I don't. I don't think presents any risk to the investigation. Is there anything that precludes you, in the labour laws, from actually suspending Mr. Oberholzer? I think we have to respect the principle of fairness here. Uh, there, there have been allegations made. We are investigating those allegations, and um, as I said right at the outset of this conversation, we have to give every employee the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. And as long as we're in a position where we can be satisfied that the investigation itself will not be impeded or interfered with, we are comfortable that uh, there is no uh, imminent cause for us to suspend Mr. Oberholzer. And then just a final um, a bit that I wish to interrogate, Mr. Dorator, um, the EFF uh, claiming that you yourself are guilty of giving contracts at the parastatal uh, to companies, um, for companies uh, that were given contracts at your behest. Are you able to confirm or deny that? No, no there have been no companies that have been given contract at my behest. Uh, The story appears to have uh, gained quite a number of additional tales in the telling. And I think that uh, to make it absolutely clear, when um, a new executive joins a company and he has knowledge at his disposal that can assist that company to resolve some of uh, the operational challenges uh, that are found in that company, then there is nothing untoward to uh, introducing such companies uh, to be added after a verification of their BE credentials, after verification of their technical status, and of course their financial stability, to be added to a pool or a panel of potential contractors, and then following the prescripts of the Public Finance Management Act, these can then be approached for bids 
uh, in competition with other companies who are able to supply those services to then uh, tender for business with Eskom. So that is the process that has been followed. The suggestion that I have uh, allegedly handpicked um, companies uh, to whom contracts have been awarded is absolutely untrue, and uh, no contracts have been awarded to any companies that I have um, introduced to Eskom. Did you recommend any companies? The 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 way that business is conducted, and I think one needs to be quite clear about how how business works in practice. Um, if you have a service to offer, um, and many companies approach me on a regular basis, and these are both black-owned companies, companies with a BE Level 1 rating and so forth, that uh, wish to offer their services to Eskom. What I then do is I pass on this information to both our commercial as well as our technical teams, and I ask them to investigate whether or not the companies could potentially be of value to Eskom. This does not mean that I instruct or recommend or support the appointment of such companies. It is merely a way to enable companies to do business with Eskom, uh, failing which we will keep on returning to the same service providers and we will not afford any new entrants the opportunity of offering services to our company. But technically speaking, would that uh, be tantamount to you recommending certain companies to Eskom? No, I completely disagree that it is recommending. It is it is uh, enabling companies who have offered their services uh, to be considered for potentially doing business. And that's a long way from giving an instruction or endorsing a company uh, for uh, rendering services to Eskom. So I think that uh, these these allegations are not well-founded at all. Well, let's leave it there for the time being. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Andre De Reiter, who is the CEO of Eskom.